On the first episode back, join the boys as they discuss the 1985 cult classic, Clue. Learn about some of the behind the scenes magic that went into the making of the film, how it bombed at the box office and garnered a cult following later, and join in on the silliness and have a giggle with Javaris and Cody as they discuss wacky scenarios, such as an all-black recasting of Clue and Javaris dressed up as Mrs. White for a night to the cinema. Only the kind of stuff you can find here on Cinematic Rewind. Alright, welcome back to uh, Cinematic Rewind, uh, formerly known as Classic Screen Gems. If you listen uh, way back when, uh, way back when being a few months ago, uh, we had a different name, kind of a different look and image, uh, but we're different. We're re-brand. Oh, we're back, baby. Yeah, and uh, let us reintroduce ourselves. Uh, we are your hosts. I am Javaris Rohde. Uh, I'm a writer, uh, and I'm here with my best friend, my buddy, Cody Mount. Hello, everybody. I'm Cody Mount. I'm an actor and uh, movie enthusiast. Yes, yes, yes. Film enthusiast as well. Um, now, today, for our first episode back, we are talking about one of my favorite movies from childhood that I wanted to revisit, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, we're talking about Clue from 1985. Um, now, this is probably one of the best movies on Earth. <laughs> Um, well, so I will say I was wrong. Yeah. When we were discussing, we were going to do a different movie. Rosemary's Baby. We're going to do Rosemary's Baby. Uh, and then Javara suggested that we do something else because he saw Rosemary's Baby recently. And when he said Clue, uh, you know, my entire world was shattered and I was like, oh my gosh, Clue, how am I going to talk about that? What's there even to say? Uh, and I'm proud and I'm happy to say that I was completely wrong. And there is a, Clue is awesome. And anyone who doesn't like Clue doesn't know what they're talking about. Exactly. And now the thing is, I was actually scared because Cody kept saying, oh my gosh, we have to watch Clue. Everyone says the movie is so bad. Blah, 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 blah. And I haven't really watched Clue since... Maybe 16. Like, I don't know. I used to always just watch it around Halloween whenever uh, Freeform, formerly known as uh, ABC Family, uh, when they would do, like, their Halloween marathon. Clue would usually be in there somewhere, I think. Oh, okay. um, but I had it recorded on the DVR back <laughs> back home, and so I would watch it. Uh, and I was scared that it wouldn't hold up, and I was like, oh, no, he's going to be right. It's going to be a shit show. But... It was not. This is probably the best movie ever, and I don't know why I have not watched it in years. It is very camp, but... Uh, but the thing is... But not in a bad way. Yeah, because like it's not like technically camp because it knows what it's doing, but it does it so, so well, and I don't know. And our other roommate actually joined in on viewing this, and he is obsessed with this as well. Um, now, funny thing is, so we watched this a few nights ago, uh, all three of us, um, and we had a good time. And now, because I am crazy, uh, to put it in the slightest, uh, between that day and 48 hours, not even 48 hours, probably maybe 30, 35 hours, in between those hours, I had watched the movie, gotten the DVD from Amazon, and rewatched the movie again alone um, because I loved it that much. Um, now, um, 
Clue actually came out in uh, 1985, and it was directed by uh, director Jonathan Lynn. This was actually his first uh, his first film he directed. I was seeing that on the the filmography because uh, I, I looked it up. He also directed My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is funny, and that's kind of... I could see that. They're both similar in a weird kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, cool. That's, uh, I mean, uh, apparently when the movie first came out, uh, I believe the the budget for the film was $15 million. Yes, yes. Um, we'll, 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 get, we'll get to the budget and everything. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I want to talk about the stellar cast first, um, but I know exactly where you're going. It's hilarious. Yes. Um, so it was directed by Jonathan Lynn. And in it, we have um, the fabulous Tim Curry as Wadsworth. We have Eileen Brennan as Mrs. Peacock. Madeline Kahn as Mrs. White. Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum. Michael McKean as Mr. Green. Martin Mull as Colonel Mustard. Leslie Ann Warren as Miss Scarlet. Colleen Camp as Yvette. Lee Ving as Mr. Body. Bill Henderson as The Cop. We have uh, Jane Wildman here as the singing telegram girl. <laughs> Jeffrey Kramer as the motorist. Uh, I cannot pronounce him. Uh, it's Kelly, Na- Kelly Nakahara uh, as, as the cook. And then we have Will Nye as cop number one. Rick Goldman as cop number two. Dan Camp, cop number three. Howard Hesman as the chief, who is actually uncredited. Now... I don't even know where to begin. Um, this cast, they work as an ensemble in the film, um, and so it works really well. Uh, now, before we go any ahead, I guess the correct thing to do here would be to read a little blurb or synopsis. Um, so it says, uh, Clue finds six colorful dinner guests gathered at the mansion of their host, Mr. Body, who turns up dead after his secret is exposed. He was blackmailing all of them with the killer among them. The guest and Bobby's chatty butler must suss out the culprit before the body count rises. Um, I don't know. That's that's probably the best way you can put it. This movie's a little wackadoodle all over the place, so yeah. Uh, yeah, very all over the place. Very uh, strange. Yeah, but what I will say about the cast here, I mean, it's really a, a good cast because you have Tim Curry, who is, you know, famous in terms of cult classics, Seth, you know, the Rocky, Rocky, Horror, Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I myself actually have never seen. Um, He's pretty funny. I know, I know. Every single time I tell someone I haven't seen it, they're like, what? You haven't seen it? I think both because of my love for film and then my personality. People think that I would have seen it already, but I have not. Um, and also It and, I mean, a bunch of other good ones. And then Madeline Kahn, who was uh, actually in Paper Moon, which was a film that we covered under our old name, uh, Classic Screen Gems. It's unavailable now. You can't listen to it. Um, but hopefully we'll revisit it one day or republish that episode. Um, I mean, everyone here is really good. And Cody, you even, like, screamed when you saw Christopher Lloyd was in this. Oh, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love him? <laughs> um, taxi, Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a great actor. Uh, and he's funny in this, and he plays yeah. he plays it well. What I will say is, unfortunately, um, so Martin Mole plays Colonel Mustard. And while I was doing research for this, I was looking at 
<laughs> I was looking at a YouTube video, like a video essay about it, and someone kept mispronouncing Colonel, and it was making me what so... Was it Colonel? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it was making me so frustrated, because I was like, it says it in the movie. It's like, how how did you yeah, mess it up? It's in the movie. Um, but anyways, um, so... So we can get into that juicy background. We're going to go ahead and rewind it back to the trailer here for you all lovely folks to listen to. And then we're going to talk about it. So, yeah. Roll that trailer. Every person in this room has the perfect motive. Stand back! For murder. What do you mean? Murder. But only one of these suspects is the murderer. Is it the timid Mr. Green? Ah, why are you screaming? Because I'm frightened! Why? Screaming! Or the militant Colonel Mustard? Oh, if I was the killer, I would kill you next. Huh? Except half. Half. Mrs. White, who helped her husband on his way. Well, it's a matter of life after death. Now that he's dead, I have a life. Ah. Miss Scarlet, ah. who's helped many men along the way. Practice makes perfect. Huh. Professor Plum, who's looking for a way. I'm looking, I'm looking. Mrs. Peacock. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here, but I am determined to enjoy myself. Or did the butler do it? No. 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 Paramount Pictures invites you to an evening of mystery. This is getting quite serious. And madness. In the movie that makes a scene of the crime. Clue, it's not just a game anymore. All right, so, Cody, back to what you were saying a little earlier about that budget thing. Because it was in my notes, too. I just want to hear you say it because it's going to be funny. Yes, so, uh, this was Jonathan Lynn's uh, directorial debut. He got a lot of well-known actors to be in it. Uh, Tim Curry probably being the most famous at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it completely flopped at the box office. Yeah. Um, it made short of its budget, and uh, it when- got pretty mixed reviews. And uh, sad to see, but I totally understand uh, why that might have been. But since it's, uh, you know... Um, Debut in theaters. Um, it has developed obviously quite the cult following, and is actually, uh, if you look on like websites now, like Letterbox or, or Rotten Tomatoes, that is a much higher score. Um, people love it. I think that is probably part of the reason why you like it. Is like it's a movie from childhood. Yeah. And um, you know, I think it has a similar thing like uh, the Star Wars prequels. Um, when they first came out, a lot of people didn't like them, and now I feel like they're. Maybe it's just me because I, I like Star Wars and I, I, you know, get Star Wars things on my various algorithms. But it seems like everybody likes prequels now. And, uh, you know, I think it's because another generation comes of age and, you know, they grew up watching this movie and they, they look at it in a different light. Yeah. And I think that just also uh, poses the co- two little conversations. Um, number one being about you know, what makes a definitive cult classic. And then the second one being, you know, uh, the difference between cult classics and, you know, childhood favorites. Mm -hmm. Because a part of my research, I usually listen to other podcasts. I was listening to this really cool podcast. I believe it's called Shat the Movies, uh, 80s and 90s reviews or something. Literally Shat 
movie, shot the movies. Not shot on the movies, but shot the movies. Mm. And they were talking about it there. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually a really interesting topic. Because when it comes to childhood favorites, you could make the argument that, oh, it's a cult classic. But really, it's not. You know, it's something that you liked you know, as a child, that really worked for you. Child, you know, or adolescence, teenager, whatever, it really worked for you then. And it probably is going to work for you somewhat because you have some nostalgia tied to it, mm-hmm. um, which is totally understandable. However, that doesn't necessarily make it a cult classic. And it doesn't make it, you know, objectively, you know, loved and liked. You know, cult classics are going to be things that you know, or mostly like definitive cult classics, you know, they bombed when they first came out. They didn't do well at all. And then over the years, they garnered a cult following. That's literally what a cult classic is. So you're going to have movies like Clue or since we're in the season, Hocus Pocus. When that movie first came out, it did horrible, probably because they released it like in the middle of summer, Hocus Pocus. Really? Yeah. Um, they never really release these films when they're supposed to in, in like the context. Like this would have been... Clue would have been great as a September release. Right. Do you know when it was released? Uh, summer. December. Really? It was, yeah. It came out, um, it's in my notes here somewhere. Um, but I just think it's insane that they never actually get it to where it's supposed to be. Yeah, December 13th, 1985 was the release date for Clue. Hmm. Uh, so imagine going to see this after you've already done your Halloween shenanigans, your little fall. It's dead winter. You're getting ready for the holidays. Actually, I would have went and saw it around the holidays. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the 80s were different, so who knows? Um, but that's it poses that conversation, you know, of what's really making these stand out. Because I believe even Rocky, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a cult classic as well. Um well, yeah, I mean, I think it is the cult classic. I think when people mm-hmm. think about cult classic movies, that's, like, one of the movies they think about. Yes, and don't kill me out there for, you're like, oh, my gosh, you don't know about Rocket or a picture show. You call yourself a film and cinema enthusiast. I'm getting to it. Look, honestly, I don't know. People have uh, their opinions about those kind of movies, but, like, it's all up to preference at the end of the day. Like, like for instance, what it kind of made me think when you were talking about Clue and back to the Star Wars thing is like, because I know you've never seen Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I want yeah. you to see it, yeah. Um, but I don't think you will ever like Star Wars how I like Star Wars mm-hmm. um, because of how I saw it as a kid. And I think, you know, those movies are a little bit more geared towards kids. Yeah. Whereas I think uh, Clue, you did see it as a kid. But me, I saw it my first time as an adult, and I still really like it. And I don't think it'd be the same thing with Star Wars. So I think that goes into why mm-hmm. cult classic versus childhood, uh, you know, favorite. Because um, Clue still holds up as an adult, and I enjoyed watching it, and I'd watch it again. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, it's not very often Cody has strong opinions about a film. He's very much kind of whatever. And so when he kept making these very, very negative remarks towards Clue. I was very confused as to where it was coming from. I was like, well, perhaps he just didn't like it as a child. And so I I was like, oh, you know, have you ever seen it? And he was like, no. And I was like, so you're basing your opinion on this off of hearsay? Like, yeah, no, the movie wasn't good in the 80s, but... Well, so it is still made fun of. It's still made fun of. And the thing is, you know, Clue was... I, I read a review... Clue is a film you either 
really love it and you get it or you don't and it just doesn't work for you. And right. that's totally understandable. When I rewatched it the second time, I was like, I can see how someone's humor would not be aligned <laughs> with it. This movie is so funny to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can I see can how see it's how like it. the perfect movie for you because like, <laughs> no, like it was great, but like uh, me and our other roommate were just like sitting there silently and Javaris was just like cackling on the ground. Uh, not that we didn't find it funny, but I think our our, our sense of humor is were in different places. Literally, jokes. I had so much fun with this to the point where the next day at work, I was um, talking with a coworker and um, I mentioned Clue briefly. And they were like, how did you know that was one of my favorite movies of all time? <laughs> and I was like, what? And then we literally talked for probably 30 minutes about Clue and the intricacies of it and just all the small jokes that you might not even catch the first time around. Like, at some point during the film, uh, Mrs. Peacock is asking where the restroom is, and um, she asks Yvette, who's French, so she goes, oh, no, is there, like, a, a young lady's room down the hall? And Yvette's like, wee oui, wee, oui, madam. And then Mrs. Peacock is like, no, no, I just have to powder my nose. <laughs> and it's those types of things that really just stand out for who it's meant to stand out for. Um, this, this is considered a dark comedy. Um, clue. And so dark comedy is really just categorized um, as uh, oh, sorry, a black comedy. Not what you think it would be. There are black comedies like Norbit and <laughs> Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. And then there are black comedies that are categorized uh, um, as dealing with taboo subjects such as death, murder, crime, war, etc. in a satirical manner. Example, Fargo, American Psycho, and most recently, The Mansions of an Inisherin. Um, and it works really well in that genre when you think about it. I mean, these people are under extraordinary circumstances mm -hmm. and I honestly maybe it's because I'm crazy uh, but I think that uh, they're reacting pretty realistically under those circumstances well <laughs> see, okay <laughs> um, are they not no <laughs> um, so in some cases yes I think you know I was thinking about this so I think why some people don't like this movie mm -hmm. is because they want, like, a classic whodunit murder on the Orient Express type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they want a comedy that's all giggles and laughs. and But, but you get somewhere both. Between. You yeah. get literally a good-ass mystery, and you get a good-ass comedy. And it's... <laughs> See, one of the things that I had to do while I was watching it, because I didn't really know what to expect... I had to realize that I, I had to accept the fact that, like, this I have to suspend my disbelief on another level for this movie to work, and I just have to enjoy the ride. If mm -hmm. you spend time thinking about any of it, it falls apart. Oh, absolutely, especially when you get to the endings. Oh, I love the endings. Yeah, yeah. but if, if you, like, really think about it too much, it's just like, okay, some of this is a little improbable. However somewhat likely and we'll get into the endings as well um but really quickly what i wanted to um mention here is uh since we're talking about how it's kind of nice that you get both done uh in terms of a nice mystery and a good ass comedy uh that was all like testament to uh mr um 
I believe his name is, it's here in my notes. My notes are so scattered. I'm a, I'm a lefty. If anyone out there is left-handed, you probably understand. Cody's also left-handed. Both left-handed. Um, so John Landis, um, who is a credit with a writing credit along Jonathan Lynn, um, they all, you know, worked together tireless, tirelessly uh, to create a good script. And it took forever because no one could come up with an ending. Um, so what ended up happening was... Um, John Landis actually um, invited playwright Tom Stoppard to help write with the like ending and everything um, because Landis like couldn't f- really figure it out and um, Tom Stoppard had it for like a good while um, so yeah I have a note here uh, it says Landis went to Stoppard because he couldn't figure out how to solve it Stoppard had the script for a year before he gave up. Tom wow. Stoppard literally had it for a year, gave up, and sent a check back for the money they had paid him because he could not solve. Because they had to meet certain criteria. So, right. um, like, they they had to make sure that they were um, representing the board game properly because this is based off of the Parker Brothers slash Hasbro uh, board game Clue. Um, and so... If you've ever played Clue, you know that you have several different, you know, people with several different weapons and several different rooms where it could have happened. So the producers and the makers of the film really wanted, you know, the film to showcase that, you know, they wanted, you know, the rooms to be utilized, the weapons, the people, all of that, just like you would in the board game. So you had to do that. And then they wanted the thing with the three separate endings uh, to help them with uh, marketing and box office. Because and it's also like the board game because you have yeah, a different ending. You know, yeah, you have a different ending because it bombed at the box office. But what was originally intended is because this movie has three different theatrical endings, um, each theater that it was sent to had a different ending that played. So when you went to go see it, say at, if you're in New York, you went to go see it at the Paris Theater, it might have the ending where Miss Scarlet did it. And then you go see it somewhere else and it had the ending where Miss Peacock did it or, you know, whatever. So it had those three endings. And it was actually um, supposed to be kind of a thing where, oh, if you went and you got the first ending, but your friends or you heard about the other ending, it would make you go back and pay again to see the movie to see a different ending. But what ended up happening is people got confused and didn't know which ending to go see, and so they just didn't go see the movie at all. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why it bombed at the box office, because something that was a gimmick to help them, um, which I think would work somewhat today. I think in the digital age, it would have been much better, because people would be, like, on Twitter. Yeah, and they're, like, arguing. Oh, did you guys see, like, the ending? Like, which ending's the best? And I think, um... Having to go, yeah, do that three times. Yeah, and I think just today, we're a little bit more accustomed to sort of viral gimmicky type stuff, so I think people would, uh, vibe with that a little bit more than, uh... Because in the past, perhaps I can literally see it like on Twitter or in someone's Instagram comments where they're like, you know, oh, like yes, love Miss Scarlet, she ate down, you know, the language of whatever, <laughs> um, and someone in the comments is like, what are you talking about? Like, Miss Peacock did it. And then someone else is like, what are you talking about? They're, uh, they all did it. And so it's going to create both that 
incredible frustration, almost like the blue black dress, pink uh, white gold thing, um, and then it's going to be the cinephiles who are amongst the groups who are like, oh well, it just has three different endings. Which one did you see? And then that would help drive traffic to the seats. That's why we have to re-release the film now, mm-hmm. and then more people could see it. I would be there every single night of the run. I would Ooh, go broke. That's a lot. <laughs> a lot of. The I same would movie. do it to go see. Are you serious? To be able to see that lovely Madeline Kahn monologue on the big screen, probably more than once, because you never know which ending you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. I mean, come. <laughs> I hate her so much. <laughs> the, uh, flames, flames on the side of my face. Uh, did you know that was improvised, actually? Uh, you know, I hate to be annoying, but I'm not surprised at all. It seemed very improvised. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, so that Madeline Kahn monologue that... Uh, is famous in this. Uh, so apparently because the, ty- the the script was so tight and there was so much happening that they were given strict instructions to not improvise anything. Mm. Uh, and then Madeline Kahn had that opportunity. She seized it. And it's the best thing in this film. Actually, uh, when I watched it the second time around, because on the home video, like the DVD version, you can choose uh, whether you want to see the home video version with all three endings like we did the first time and what I grew up seeing, or it will at random play a uh, uh, one of the three theatrical endings. So it'll play one of the three that's in, you know, the ones that we've seen already, but right. at random, it's only that one, and that's the mystery that you get. I saw the one with Miss Scarlet, and although to me that is the second most probable one, um, I was mad I didn't get to see the Madeline Kahn uh, <laughs> monologue. Um, <laughs> now, <clears throat> speaking of the endings, yes, um, really quickly. So there's the ending with Miss Scarlet. Mm-hmm. There's the ending with Mrs. Peacock. Mm-hmm. And then there's the ending with everyone doing it. Right. And Wadsworth is yeah, yeah, yeah. the mastermind. He's Mr. Which Bobby. one did you believe the most? Um, well, so the first one I saw was where Wadsworth is actually Mr. Body. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked where he was an FBI, where Wadsworth was the FBI agent. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Um, that was probably my favorite ending. Um, but I thought they were all sort of believable, like, within the context of, of, of the movie. I thought they were all kind Even of... Even Mrs. Peacock? Yeah, like, it was silly, but it, 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 fitted <laughs> in, it fitted into everything, you know. Now, I have a ranking. For me, the, the third ending, the one with, like, everyone killing someone for different right. reasons, that made the most logical sense. And that's my number one, Miss Scarlet. That is, that would make sense as well. However, her motive is just what I don't like. Like, she has a motive, but it was also like, that's kind of silly. Um, it's not silly, but it was like, okay. <laughs> right. Um, all of this for that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mrs. Peacock, the same thing. And then I, <laughs> when she takes the gun out and she's just walking out the door and they're singing. <laughs> she's a talking fellow. Yeah, at that point, I was like, what is happening? I really, I truly did lose me there. But, like, 
you know, when you decide to watch this movie, you kind of have to. It's like a roller coaster, right? Yeah. You sit down, you accept <laughs> the ride that you're on, um, and that's why with each of the endings, I was like, oh, this is so cool because like it all fits in its own way. And then I love the cops run in and arrest them. And- oh my gosh, I remember when that happened with the with the Miss Scarlet version, and they're playing like this Indiana Jones. <laughs> Music. Yeah, it's like it's like the bum ba da Like they run it, and I remember you said very loudly, "Why are they running?" No, like, yeah, I know it's so, but it's so like action movie, like nineteen sixty ending, like the cops kicking the door, and they're but they're just running, they're like completely unsafe, <laughs> just sprinting with their guns as they surround them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I liked all the endings. I thought um, my favorite. I think was where Wadsworth was the FBI agent because I just mm-hmm. liked it. I was like, oh, what a nice twist. It was really cool when they were all murderers and I was like, what a nice twist on a whodunit because whodunit, everybody done it, you know? And I yeah. thought it was really fun. Um, I was kind of hoping for something like that. Um, but Miss Scarlet, I was like, oh, I could see. I could really see. The yes, and the way that, that she was waving that gun around and flinging her little hair. I mean, she was really just, and I hate to use this word in an official context, but she was serving. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Miss Scarlet, I, 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 I don't want to take, I don't want to insult you, but personally, her with the gun, I didn't find it to be... Like empowering or dignified, or I thought she looked yeah, kind of no, 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 silly no, no. the no. way she was holding it. I actually agree. I didn't find it anything empowering, dignifying, except for for her. Like everyone else, it looked silly. Like even when she pointed the gun at Wadsworth, and she's like, "And there's a bullet left, and I'm gonna blow her hand off." And <laughs> um, like she's pointing the gun at him. I'm like, I wouldn't be the least bit intimidated by her. But the thing is, I know that in her head, she. <laughs> It's the bossiest bitch on earth. She is literally. She thinks she's um. What's that? The equalizer. That's what she. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Scarlet thought she was the equalizer in that scene, and that's why I love it for her. Mm-hmm. She looks silly, yes, but in her like I'm being very you know in her head about it. I'm right. like, as Miss Scarlet, that's how I too would walk around in an evening gown with heels on right. and a dress and flip my hair around after I confessed to murdering six people um in this mansion. <laughs> <laughs> um now speaking of the endings, there was actually a fourth ending uh, that was supposed really? to be yeah, put in there where <laughs> I actually like don't even know. I-, I-, I can't explain it fully, so I'm actually gonna hop on over to the uh, Wikipedia page um, to tell you a little bit more about it. But um, yeah, there was a, a fourth uh, ending that was supposed to be in there um, but it never made it in and it's actually in the novelization of the film. It's oh. called Clue the Storybook, and I really want this kind of just to have it in my own collection of nerd stuff, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, but it's like $199. What? Um, yeah, because it's, you know, not being produced anymore, of course. Oh, okay. So here it says, a fourth ending was filmed, uh, but Lynn removed it because he later said, it really wasn't very good. I looked at it and I thought, no, 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 we've got to get rid of that. 
In that ending, Wadsworth committed all the murders. He was motivated by his desire for perfection, having failed to be either the perfect husband or the perfect butler. He decided to be the perfect murderer instead. Wadsworth reports that he poisoned the champagne the guests drank so they would soon die, leaving no witnesses. The police and the FBI arrive, and Wadsworth is arrested. He breaks free and steals a police car, but his escape is thwarted when three police dogs lunge from the back seat. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> now. That's a horrible way to go. Just right Yes, through. and then also, everyone else just dies? Like, yeah, is that. That, that, that actually that, would be like. Because this movie's supposed to be like fun. Like, yeah, it's that would give you a good feeling. That really. wasn't fun but enough. everybody dies of the poison, and then like he gets ripped alive by dogs in the car. I, would, I do want to. I did want to see Tim Curry get ripped alive by dogs. Yeah, um, seems very in his wheelhouse. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but it is. He does weird movies. <laughs> it's like a weird. That makes sense for him. Look at him. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Um, when we started watching this, the first thing I said was, I always loved the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was younger, I used to love that manner. Now, two things. One's a statement. Uh, one's a question. Uh, I'm going to go with the question first, actually. All right. Would you live in a house like this? Absolutely not, under no circumstance. No property tax. Get it completely for free. No way. Too big, too scary, going to get murdered in it. What if you have a family? That's still so many rooms. Yeah. Like I And then the secret passageways. Yeah, and like who knows what's going on? And that's it's a lot of maintenance. Yeah. It's right on the cliff there. Well, would you want to live in a house like this? That's that very old eighties, like the oak, like all of that, the paneling, a uh, very old would you like No, I I I think it's cool, mm. and I'd love to go to, like, a fancy party in a big mansion. I don't think I... I think I would rather live there than go to a party. Have you seen Clue? 1988? Yeah, you're 1988. right. You're right. <laughs> I don't want to go to a party there. <laughs> but, uh... No, but I, I don't know. I've, I've always thought about this. Like, I remember as a kid... Uh, uh, my dad does like heating and air conditioning mm-hmm. stuff, and I went to hit, went with him to like this house he's working on. It just been built, and it was like a mansion. It was huge, and I remember I was just walking around, and I was like. Man, it's so inconvenient to, like, get to the kitchen <laughs> from over here. And, um, because it was just, like, absurdly big. Um, and, uh, I think that's kind of the same vibe. I feel like I would never feel like I have conquered all of the space, if that makes sense. I feel like it'd be too big. Well, I can see that. But also, I think with, like, me, I would say yes, solely because I am a conqueror of spaces, I feel like. No, but I mean, this this mansion is like, there's got the tower, like it's massive, it's got the cellar. Yeah, but it's all in good, I feel like if you're going to be entertaining, or if, you know, you have a larger family, or perhaps you just came into some money and that house was available because something spooky went down in it in the 50s. <laughs> not all the more reason not to go in there. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention, um, I've been doing a horrible, horrible job with, like, telling some of the actual facts because I'm so excited to just talk about this film. <laughs> um, it is set in the 50s, which is why you have things like... Um, you know, McCarthyism involved and, um, like, every time you turn around, someone's like, 
I'm a socialist. I'm a whatever. You know more about that stuff, darling. They were all communists. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, but I, know, I thought the 50s, just sorry to cut you off, but yeah. I thought the 50s was the only time. You could place it, like, in the 1800s, I guess, too. But, like, you have to place it not in modern times, I think, for who done to be really good. Because then you get these eccentric characters who have eccentric jobs that don't necessarily exist anymore. Or... No, 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 no. Because let me tell you something. Um the Glass Onion, the Knives Out film, that is a exceptionally done whodunit. You're actually... So I haven't seen... The, I've seen the first one. I haven't seen the first one, but I saw Glass Onion. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you're right. They are... That is good. That is good. All right, maybe I'm wrong. I did, but I will say I like that the clue is set in the fifties. Oh yeah, I, I would much prefer. I would much prefer Who Done It be you know set in somewhere in the past. Even right. now, I would take one in you know the eighties. Right. Uh, but I think when it's when you have someone in a team who knows what they're doing. Because I remember when I was watching Glass Onion, I saw it at the Paris Theater, and I was watching it, and I just kept thinking to myself. This is really good, and I would really hate for this to not be a good mystery in the end. You know, I would like. I just was really hoping what some people, I guess, were hope when they went to go see Clue. Uh, it's like I hope this isn't all comedy, and by the end of this, I I've, I've seen the mystery. You know, right? Um, and it was so well done, and then it was actually a Q and A with Janelle Monae, who's in the film, and it was a really good good time, good time. But anyways, back to this mansion. Um, I just wanted to mention it because I thought it was really cool. So. They actually filmed on sound stages at Paramount Pictures in Hollywood. Uh, the interior of the mansion, it was made from authentic uh, 18th and 19th century furnishings. Um, they were all rented from um, curated collectors, uh, collections, I'm sorry. Um, and they even had some things that were from the estate of Mr. Theodore Roosevelt, um, which I thought was really nice. Now, after they completed the film, uh, the set was bought by the producers of Dynasty, the hit show in the 80s, with um, oh yeah! Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, with uh, you know Joan Collins and uh, Linda Evans, uh, and Rock Hudson was on there too. Um, but anyways, uh, they used this set for um, one of the hotels in the show that was called the Carlton. And I went and I googled you know Dynasty the Carlton, literally the exact same house. That's it was, awesome. It was, it was so fun. It was so fun. I would have imagined like you know being on Dynasty and having saw Clue and being a fan of Clue like me, you know. My gay ass. I saw it, and I really like it. And then I'm, like, doing some extra work that day on Dynasty in the Clue House. I'm like, ah! We're here. Um, (laughs) um, So, yeah, I mean, this film, honestly, if you're interested in the making of and, like, the nitty-gritty of it, BuzzFeed actually did a wonderful oral history of this. Um, you can just find it if you, you know, Google probably Clue, BuzzFeed, or, you know, what have you. It's probably maybe a 30-minute read, honestly. It's really lengthy, but really good. It's almost as entertaining as the movie itself. So if you're really interested in that, I would highly recommend um, checking that out. And also, if you're more so of like a, you know, podcast or, you know, YouTube um, person. Uh, there's some good things on YouTube as well. Uh, I thought I had them written down to give a specific shout out, but if you just search, you know, clue video essays, you can find some pretty good stuff on this film. Uh, and I think that's all I really have uh, on the background here. Uh, but we got 
much more content for you. So, uh, yeah. Hey, Javaris here, telling you thank you for rewinding it back with us. And if you are interested in more film and cinema content, you should check out my writing on Substack. There, I have my newsletter called The Javaris Journal that is dedicated to film and cinema and houses reviews, essays, and much more to come. You can find it at javarisrody.substack.com or check the show notes for the link. And again, thank you for listening to Cinematic Rewind. Yes, I did it. I killed Yvette. I hated her so much. It, it, the, it, flame, flames. Flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breaths. So when we were watching uh, the film the first time for me, uh, you know, all together, I decided to take notes on my um, <laughs> on my phone. However, uh, the boys and I had had a few drinks, um, some libations, if you will, and also I was trying my hardest not to pee myself laughing when I was taking these notes because the movie is just <laughs> Cody. I mean, you can tell them I was on the floor like. Yes. Uh, so let me tell you. Let me tell you. This movie is funny, but to some people, it's really funny. There was a there was a point when uh, when we were we were laughing more at Javar's laughing than at the jokes themselves. Um, it's so funny. Yeah, it's it's funny. Oh my God. You know? No, it's so. Dude, dude, literally, okay, no, there's so many good quips in this, and there's so many good quips. You know what? I get to the notes in a minute because I, I don't want to forget this. This, <laughs> this film, number one, really works for you if you, number one, are a are an appreciator of live theater, I feel like, just because the script is so tight and it moves so fast, it's mm-hmm. literally like not even any airs in between anything. You get these wonderful quips and kind of remarks that are easy to miss because they are coming so fast. Um, you know, like at some point when Mrs. White is talking about her ex-husband and, you know, they're like, well, he disappeared. And she was like, well, he's an illusionist. And then they're like, he never reappeared. Well, he wasn't a very good illusionist. <laughs> And it just moves so fast. Or um, what was the scene that literally was, like, making me, like, sob, cry? Oh, you know, during that third ending you get with Mrs. Mrs. White, Madeline Kahn in this deserves all her flowers. Everyone does. But, you know, when Wadsworth is taking everyone through the, end, the endings and what happened, and he grabs Mrs. White, and she's like, this is incredible. <laughs> and then she falls halfway Going up the steps, this and it's never addressed. It never. This movie really never takes time to address the jokes, and that's why they're funny because they're in a very casual speaking manner with these folks, and they're nothing really insane, but they work well in the context. Because I feel like honestly, if I was put in this scenario, I would be Mrs. Peacock, and I would actually love to see me recast as Mrs. Peacock. <laughs> um, I am no longer. Uh, listen. Anywhere, anytime, any place. Movie, film, stage. I will do it for preschool. I want to be Mrs. Peacock. Uh, it, it's just so good. The script works so well for it. Um, these people are in a very heightened situation, and they're behaving 
just as they should, especially like Mrs. Peacock. I feel like she's the only one who's behaving realistically when she's screaming all over the place. It um, is true. She's the only one that, that is really <laughs> accepting her her fate here. Like at the end when that um, when the uh, dude comes to the door and, and he's trying to do the Jehovah's Witness thing and he's like, your lives, your souls are in danger. And she's like, our lives are in danger, you beatnik. Closes <laughs> yeah. the door. No, but before she even opens it, she the doorbell rings and <laughs> Mrs. Peacock goes, oh no, whoever it is, they have to go away or they'll be killed. And then like it's very easy to miss. She like runs up the stairs to go to the door and you hear her go oh, <laughs> while she's opening it with agony and it's so so funny I don't know there's, there is like the, the pace of this it, there's so many jokes compacted yeah uh, I, I literally can breathe just, yeah they just like keep going they just bam 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 and I will say one thing that uh, I really like about Tim Curry in this so he's like a theater guy he's mm-hmm. like a West End Broadway person and I think he does a very good job of sort of being the ringleader in this uh, with the acting style that he has because he's so physically funny like when he's running around but he's like mm-hmm. 100% serious yeah and then like as he's sort of like the straight man sometimes when the other people say they're like one-off weird things like he'll say something or he'll just be like oh you know he's kind of the straight man but also he he like adds to the jokes yeah he's like the the straight man for the joke and then he has his own set of jokes that come with it and i think i think that's so funny and i think that like the characters they created for this the the embodiments of the clue characters are just like they're just so extreme. Yes. And it's so funny. And that's also in my notes. It's literally... The thing with Clue is... I, I, I have said, even in my review on it, on Letterboxd, I, I, you know, I think this is one of, if not the best parody mystery movie and probably my favorite parody movie in general. Uh, and it, it works so well because, it number one, it never crosses a certain line. It remains genuine. Um, yeah, it's never like Monty Python where like they yeah. just uh, get so meta that you're like, why am I even watching this? It stays genuine um, because there are some folks out there, and I've heard varying opinions, there are some people who think that this was all just really gimmicky to sell board games. I disagree. I think that they did an exceptional job of taking these board game situations and these board game characters and really bringing them to life. And because the thing is, a lot of folks look at these characters and they would say that, you know, they are stereotypes, they're not stereotypes. They're character types. They're kind of archetypes of what you would see in a murder mystery or what right. you would see in something like this. You know, you have the sassy butler. You have, you know, the sexy, you know, young ingenue type with Miss Scarlet. You got Mrs. White. Mrs. White. She's frigid and, you know, whatever. It's so you you have these these character types, and they did such a good job, you know. And I think a lot of it is, you know, on the actress too just taking them from those game pieces that are... I don't know if you ever... Had, did you ever have Clue? Uh, I had the Simpsons Clue. Ooh, 
I wanted that. I was yeah. actually at a Comic-Con once, and they had Simpsons Clue and Harry Potter Clue, and I got the Harry Potter Clue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I grew up with uh, Clue, the board game. But because I was uh, born in 2002, uh, and it, it was very of the times, my Clue was the DVD uh, version that they had at one point in time. You can still find it on eBay and stuff, but it was the board game, but uh-huh. it came with the DVD that you put in, and Ooh. on that DVD, it let you help solve the mystery, so you could look around in the study, or look around in the kitchen, and the ballroom, and things like that, via the DVD, and it would even have, like, little cutscenes of, like, shadows doing stuff, and you're like, oh, like, you know, I think it's Miss Scarlet with the gun in the ballroom, or whatever. Um, and it was very, very fascinating to me as a child, because, mm-hmm. um, that let you play alone, and I was, I'm the oldest out of three, but my younger siblings, my brother was five years younger than me, and my sister's nine years younger than me, so for a while, I couldn't play Clue with them. They couldn't understand that, you know, when I was like 10 and my brother was five, he couldn't comprehend who solved the mystery. I didn't even know. So it really was nice for uh, children who like to play alone. Uh, so I really love that version. And uh, there's versions now, you know, they've revamped it, of course, with the pieces, and there's, like, little figurines. But the twi- the, the latest uh, version that they did of it is really nice because they have lots of diversity. I think at least three of the characters are black. You have Asian representation, uh, Hispanic. So it's really cool, the latest version they have, which is actually down the street at the Target near our apartment. Um, if you look at it, you'll see those uh, uh, diverse characters on it, which I really appreciate. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Very nice. Now, um, to the list. That I, oh, yes. To the notes that I got to. Now, let me preface this by saying these were all first impressions, and I have different notes on my rewatch that I will also put out. So... I wrote character descriptions, it seems like, for not every character, but just the women characters, because the main characters seem so two-dimensional to me that I really didn't care. Um, So for Mrs. White, I just put Frigid, Miss Scarlet, Desperate, Mrs. Peacock, Out of Touch. Um, Out of Touch. For Yvette, I put Suspicious. Oh, for Wadsworth, I put one for him. I put Miserable, Mean, Gay. And... I'm not sure if you know, Cody, but in the queer community, we are very aware that uh, there are some gay men who are mean girls, and Wadsworth seemed like a mean girl type of gay guy. Um, there's a scene where, in the when they're all in the study or the library, I believe, the study, uh, and Wadsworth goes to open an envelope after they've had dinner. The writing on that envelope was so childish. I don't know if you saw No, it. I did see that. It's like chicken scratch <laughs> on the envelope. <laughs> And I thought that was, like, a a subtle little (laughs) joke they put in there. I was like, okay, like, how am I supposed to take that serious at a murder? (laughs) Someone's been murdered, or, like, someone's about to get murdered, or whatever. Now, these... This is where the humor really kicks in. This, when they leave that dinner table and go into the study, it literally feels like, you know, you go in, you know, from the gear. I don't know if you've ever driven a... uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what it felt like. It's just like do 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 with the humor. <laughs> uh, my grandpa, he said he well, he still does. He drives you know semi trucks, the eighteen wheeler, and I love seeing him because he's just doing it like. And I was like, wow! And this is it's this big you know Constantly, gear shift yeah. in the middle of the truck. Anyways, 
So they put it in a high gear with the comedy because in this, you get all of those quips with everyone. And Colonel Mustard, <laughs> he's talking with someone about something. And <laughs> he goes, um, blah, 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 my parents. Uh, he was like, when I lost my mommy and daddy. And oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that was weird. <laughs> I was like, that was funny. And these, they're so serious, though. That's what's funny. Like, they're not breaking character at all. And then in the study, you get that fight scene that's very slapstick. Very, very, um, I forgot what someone called it. I was listening to a podcast. They called it, um, um, I don't know, because you literally see someone's fingers, two fingers poke an eye. Yes. Um, Mrs. White, she knees um, the uh, Mr. Body in the crotch. And then Mr. Green from behind goes, Mrs. White, was that necessary? <laughs> and... And like, was that a necessary comment to make at the time? Like, I know the whole thing is so <laughs> silly, and like, and the fights don't look very good. Like they don't look, you know. And I think that was the scene. Now I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I think, but it's like, like that when he goes to do the double eye poke. Yeah. Like you can clearly see he never makes contact. Yeah. I think that's kind of like. You know, it's not taking itself too seriously. And that's what adds to it. It's like almost like watching a black exploitation film. Right. It's trying to create sort of a, a vibe, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And then also there are points where you're laughing with it, and there are points where you're probably laughing at it. Mm-hmm. And this was the scene, I remember, that I literally could not breathe. I was... Because it, it was like... Boom, boom, after the other. Something happened that matched so perfectly with my humor that I could not stop <laughs> laughing. My, uh, one of my favorite parts with Colonel Mustard was when at the end when he, he just like, he get, nobody pushes him. Mm-hmm. Nobody pushes him to reveal anything, basically. And he's like, I was a war profiteer. <laughs> like, like, nobody asked you, dude. Like, you just opened up with that. And, uh, under the slightest amount of pressure, and that kind of gave me yeah. a chuckle. Now, what I did want to speak about is Mr. Body. Um, this is my only, the only negative for this film. This film literally is five stars for me. Perfect gold star. Love it so much. But Mr. Body is played by, let me double check here, Lee Ving. He was the only bad person in this like if you go back and you watch it and you look at Mr. Body versus actor or character actor you look at Mr. Body versus everyone else he is in a completely different (laughs) (laughs) movie I think that Lee Ving thought that he was in the movie that people thought they were gonna see which is like no comedy. Right. He, I don't think he knew that this was funny uh, or a comedy at all, really. And if you look at him while he's, and it, it could also be a comedic choice. I don't know, but if you look at him um, when he's not really speaking, uh, when he's in those scenes, he's looking around like a Bond villain. Um, his eyes are narrow and he's just like smoldering. I'm like, what is he doing? Um, and apparently, um, Jonathan Lynn didn't even want leaving in this. Uh, he wanted someone else to play Mr. Bond. I totally forgot who, uh, but what happened was leaving was in some band at the time and had a hit song, and so so they put him in there. Production had made a lot of suggestions to Jonathan Lynn and um, 
the writer, the other writer here, who I forgot his name. I don't want to do him any disservice. Uh, John Landis. And they said no to, like, literally all the production's requests, um, and they did what they wanted to do. And so when it came to Mr. Body, I guess because he wasn't that significant of a character, uh, they were like, well, we better say yes to one request at least right. and so they put leaving it <laughs> honestly I think so that makes a lot of sense if he's coming in as, as like sort of a rock star type mm-hmm. um but I think, like, I think it works that he is because he really is sort of a departure from the other characters mm. um and he kind of like he's got he got spats on I mean he's like a smooth yeah guy and uh and I kind of liked the, that he was sort of the way he was. I'm, got, I'm glad he died early on, though, because he, he oh wasn't funny, but he, is, he added to the film. Yeah. I think he was playing it right. I don't know. There was something about him. There was something about him. Maybe it was his... Maybe I think it could have just been the bleakness of the character of Mr. Body compared to the exuberance of all of the other characters. Right. Um, that he's definitely maybe, the least. Uh, yeah, like he's the person. If you if you did a, if you did a group costume for Clue, Mr. Body is the person that you would make like your ugly friend dress up as. You know. Uh, no, uh, yeah. well, <laughs> <not> like, <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, you make the ugly one wear the stupid Not costume. ugly, Fran. I'm sorry. No one's ugly. But well. you make, that's like the friend who is a friend of a friend who really just joined along to complete the group costume. Right, right. You that's, just needed one more person. Yeah. You look through the content. You're like, <laughs> oh. You could be Mr. Body, and they've never seen the film, so they don't know that he's, like, not really that you right, that he's not yeah. cool. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, another note that I have here is uh, a little later on in the film when they all have the brilliant idea of splitting up, which is always my number one thing. Like, why do you split up? They always got to split up. They, it's not a whodunit until they split up. Yeah, I guess if they didn't split up, we wouldn't have much comedy. But everyone is so suspicious because they don't know who the killer is. And I think that's another thing to really... You know, note when you're watching this, if you're someone who's who's seen it before or if you're someone who's familiar with the board game, you know, you have to remember that these characters themselves, like, don't know who the murderer is. And so this is, like, scary. Of course, of course it's scary, but, like, everything that they're doing, like, it can seem sort of outrageous if you're familiar with it. However, right. you have to know, like, first... For, you know, for them, like they don't, they don't know that any of this is, you know, someone or fictitious or anything. They think someone is out to kill them, and their partner, who they're paired up with right now, could be that killer. Um, so I loved how everyone was playing suspicious. I thought that was a great thing. But it literally the second time, the first time I didn't laugh at it as much because I didn't, I, I didn't get it because I think I was too like you know looped up from the other scenes. But the second time when I watched it alone, the these. Like, suspicious scenes are so funny because they're horribly exaggerated. You have Mrs. Scar, you have Miss Scarlet, right? Um, and she's paired with, I believe, Colonel Mustard, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, Colonel um, Mustard. And they're in the billiard room, and Colonel Mustard grabs one of the pool sticks um, to do something. But <laughs> Miss Scarlet, <clears throat> sorry, Miss Scarlet doesn't know what he's about to do. And so she is so, 
<laughs> she's so defensive. She literally like starts walking like a spider almost when he has to pull it because he's like, oh, he's about to kill me. <laughs> but he just goes to do something else. And then literally right from there, it cuts to a scene of Mrs. Peacock. And I believe it was Wadsworth she was with. Um. Oh, who was she? Yeah, I think so. Um, and they were going down into the cellar. Uh, it was either Wadsworth no, or Mr. No, Green. Mr. Green. Mr. Green and the yeah. maid. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, 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 no. Um, Yvette was paired with someone else. Um, no, no, Yvette was with Mr. Green because they're going down the cellar and they have the little argument of who should go first. That's, uh, that's, Miss, uh, that's Mrs. Peacock. I'm, I mean, not that it matters, but I'm pretty sure it was. Unless, day. well, they two, they two, unless two people went downstairs, because I totally forgot where Yvette went. Um, not gonna lie, but I know that Mrs. Peacock was um, going. They, they were somewhere downstairs because mm-hmm. when it ha- what happened was. Um, they were arguing about who was going to go down the stairs or whatever. And then so Mrs. Peacock gets downstairs, but she starts screaming like randomly. And then they turn the lights on. <laughs> it's just so funny. I can't even describe like what it is. It's literally like the feeling you get when you've been probably like playing like, horsing around with your friend or something, you know, or, you know, throwing stuff, you know, back and forth, and you don't know, like, it's like when you grow up with a brother, and you've been playing and Nerf guns or whatever, and you're in the kitchen trying to get a snack or whatever, and you hear him behind you, you're like, ah! <laughs> um, because you don't know what's about to happen, so that was hilarious. I, I, now that I'm curious, I'm curious, I think maybe that's going to be my excuse to watch it again tonight, to see where Yvette went. It, okay, so I... <laughs> I I'm positive that Yvette went with Mr. Green. I'm positive that Yvette went with Mr. Green as well. But I, I, I don't... Maybe they were going... I think they did the attic. They were going up the stairs. They, they were the attic. They were in the attic, Mrs. Yeah. Peacock was the seller. And I don't remember who she was with. I think um, she was with Wadsworth. Uh, so my, no, Wadsworth was with uh, um, the the bleak lady. Um, um, you know... Uh, Miss Scar- Mrs. White? Yes, Mrs. White, yeah. <laughs> you call her bleak. <laughs> the bleak woman. Well, I was having a conversation with a friend, and we were, all say- we were saying that the men in this movie are very, like, replaceable, forgettable. Uh, so that's probably why we can't remember who the women were. Because the women really stood out in this cast. I'm sorry. Yeah. They all worked as an ensemble, and they all had their moments. But the women really took the cake in this Except one. for Wadsworth. He's the exception. Yeah, 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 Wadsworth. But... Um, <clears throat> but uh, it is. Um, what was I saying originally? We were talking about the the Mrs. Peacock. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to call out that moment. There's so much. I just my brain like this movie. I've been thinking about it for three days straight. Um, but like I said, it just does an amazing job with creating those characters, taking them from that flat like game board pieces and putting them into these scenarios. Yeah, and it's so. It's just. It's a good movie. It really. It's just like a good fun. Watch it, enjoy it, and it's there's nothing, there's no big overarching message. Yeah, it's just a good time. It's, it's just, just a fun watch. A literally such just a fun time, and that alone, nothing else. It's not pushing any agenda here. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's fun, and like the characters are easy to understand. Like I think this is a good movie for like kids and adults, where it's like it doesn't take much to understand it. Doesn't take much to enjoy it. The only thing that you do have to listen for is the comedy that just yeah. bam, 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 bam. And I think a reason why 
with children, uh, because this movie is rated PG, mm-hmm. even though we have Yvette where her boobs out, <laughs> Mr. Body, like, at one point, like, lifts up her skirt yeah. and, like, touches her ass. Um, it's rated PG, and so I-, I think the reason why this works for, you know, you know, people who are younger and why it might be a favorite in their childhood or their adolescence is because... You are watching a PG film, however, it deals with such adult topics such as murder, blackmail, you know, McCarthyism, and, <laughs> and, and, and you're just like, oh, like, this is adult, but there's nothing in it that you're really not supposed to see, you know? Right. Um, so it's really fine, but you feel so, like, ooh. You know what's so funny that, that kind of made me, this may be too personal of an anecdote that doesn't matter, but I will say it anyway. As a kid, I really had very little restrictions on what I was allowed to watch. Yeah, me too. And, uh, <laughs> and so... I didn't end up watching a lot of quote-unquote kids' movies because uh-huh. I was like, I don't need to watch that. I'm going to watch Braveheart and yeah. Platoon and like all these like hyper-violent, very intense movies. And, uh, and so, But I could see that as a kid, that that would be something you're like, oh. But for me, I, I think about myself as a kid, and I'd be like, I, I think as a kid I would have hated this movie because I would have been like, this is such a serious situation, and they're not taking it seriously, and they're playing with the bodies, and they're and they're running around. Somebody call the police. I would have just been so like so uh, boring see, with it. And, and that's what I loved as a kid because you know I was you know I, I'm a gay man, and we all know that most gay kids you know we're very much different than the straight kids in terms of what we like to watch. Uh, you probably were watching stuff like G.I. Joe, Indiana Jones. And yeah. I, I was watching Jim and the Holograms and Barbie movies. <laughs> but um, uh, that was my favorite part is that nothing was serious because I love... One of my favorite things to see as a kid um, were people being dressed up and in nice environments but not doing anything serious. I just mm-hmm. love seeing, like women in dresses running around or stuff like that because I was like, oh, like, look at them. Like, they're so elegant, but they're just... <laughs> but they're running around but, trying not to get murdered. <laughs> yeah, they're misbehaving. <laughs> it was so fun to me to see people, like, misbehave, but, like, in a contained environment. Like, you know, I, I've said before, you know, I'm not a big fan of, like, train movies and stuff like that mm-hmm. or, like, when it's one location, but I do love a, like, mansion movie. Right. Uh, things like that. Um, when they're done right, um, of course. Hey everybody, this is Cody. Thank you for listening. If you like the show and our content, we'd love if you'd leave us a rate and review. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Cinematic Rewind Pod. That's Cinematic Rewind Pod. And this is Cinematic Rewind. I have absolutely no idea what we're doing here. Oh what I'm doing here, what this place is about, but I am determined to enjoy myself, and I'm very intrigued, and oh my, this soup's delicious, isn't it? So, really quickly here, uh, as we're winding down, I, the other day, had a conversation um, with someone. I talked to literally three people about this movie, and all three of those people, I ended up getting them to watch <laughs> that same day. So, um, Clue... We're on the Clue train here. Yeah, no, Clue owes me some money from <laughs> streams because I have given them... I've, I've given them four streams with the one that we watched and the three people I got to watch it. And I also... Um, gave uh, them a DVD sale um, <laughs> because I got 
got it from Amazon and it came the very next day. So uh, cut that check. Paramount. Yes. <laughs> it's like 53 cents. <laughs> um, and speaking of, if you are interested in seeing this film, if you haven't seen it, it is available on Paramount Plus if you have it. Or if you're a physical media collector, you can grab a DVD from Amazon for five bucks. Uh, if what you was the like. name of that website again? Amazon. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I was having a conversation and we were talking about a um, a recasting of Clue, but with an all-black cast. Now, I have my list here. Uh, Their list was a little different that they gave. I didn't really agree with it. I'm not going to call them out for it. (laughs) But are you ready? I'm ready. I'm very ready. All right. So this is my recasting of Clue with a majority black cast, not necessarily all. So as Miss Scarlet, I have Taraji P. Henson. Okay. Okay. Mrs. White, Regina Hall. Mr. Green, Jeremy Pope. Okay, yeah. Colonel Mustard, Forrest Whitaker. Oh my god, that's so perfect. Yeah, that would be perfect. Professor Plum, Tay Diggs. Mrs. Peacock, Jamie Lee Curtis. Wadsworth, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> oh my god, but no, that would I don't know if that would work. That'd be very interesting. Yvette, Margot Robbie. And as the cook, I have Octavia Spencer. Now. <laughs> Wait, so, so you just put Margaret Robbie in there? <laughs> I didn't know who could play that. You couldn't, you couldn't think of anyone? I don't know. I, I guess uh, for Yvette, I could also see if, like, we're doing, like... 1990s a, Halle Berry. Bam. I can see Halle Berry today. Halle Berry. Halle, <laughs> Halle Berry. Halle Berry. <laughs> um... Dude, this is amazing. And Regina Hall, I don't know if, like, you're familiar with her work, uh, but most of us know Regina Hall from the Scary Movie franchise as Brenda. And she's like, let me do my Brenda impersonation real quick. Uh-uh, don't go in here. (laughs) Shake us be in love. This is some scary shit. That that is... she just plays that character (laughs) in the movie? We put played. Brenda. We put Brenda from Scary Movie in, in the, Clue. Yeah. Crossover. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh no, go in there to, to everyone, and nobody dies because they all listen to her." No, I, I think better than that. I would love to see just a video of Brenda watching Clue in the theater. <laughs> oh, don't go in there! Don't go down to the cellar. <laughs> she was also in um, this film called uh, Hunk for Jesus Save Your Soul which was hilarious and she's the only person who I really felt like could capture the c- comedy and frigidness of Mrs. White mm-hmm. because that's a very particular role like Madeline Kahn never stepped outside of the frigidness of Mrs. White I don't think I ever saw Mrs. White smile no, no uh, I don't think she, she <laughs> smiled or blinked the whole movie uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she did. Um, so I would just love to see that. It's Samuel L. Jackson as Wadsworth. No, because it's oh, like Hold a, on, explain that. I don't no, because this, is, this isn't a PG version. Um, this, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a PG version. You got Samuel L. Jackson running around as the butler, and he's like, which one of you motherfuckers <laughs> killed kill somebody? He's got guns. <laughs> like, he's like, pulls out like an AK-47 the whole movie. He's just got it with him. Um... <laughs> Let me contain myself. <laughs> this is too funny. Um, now, 
what another thing I wanted to mention, I love speaking of the weapons that Samuel L. Jackson would probably have in the remake, um, I love the weapons in Clue because they can kind of seem somewhat strange, but they're so Realistic for the circumstances because I even have it here. The weapons that Mr. Body gives out, you have Miss Scarlet, she receives a candlestick. Mrs. White gets rope. That's already tied in the news form, by the way, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, Mr. Green gets a lead pipe. <laughs> Colonel Buster gets a wrench. Professor Plum, a gun. And Mrs. Peacock, a dagger. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if it was a... I, I don't know. I could be mistaken, but I think in a board game that I had, it was a letter opener and not a dagger. But I could be mistaken. That was a very long I time ago. I think it also was a letter opener. In the, yeah. In the, yeah. I actually flushed out in the... Um... <laughs> you what? <laughs> what did you say? The character pieces that came with Clue, I flushed them down the toilet. <laughs> oh my God, Why? Because I had got a new game and I liked those pieces better, and <laughs> I didn't want those anymore. Because what right, happened? So you send them down the toilet because that's where stuff goes. Well, because I was... <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, because I was little, and I don't know because I had the like little square pieces that were the colors of everyone. Uh-huh. But then when I got a new version of the game. They all were like little figurines, like they had faces and clothes on, and I liked those much better. And so I just flushed them down the toilet. The You're right; ones. they couldn't have stayed in the box. <laughs> that would have ruined it. <laughs> I wanted them to go live a successful life in the under in the sewers. I, I, I used to like the movie Flushed Away, and I was like, oh well, they can probably. I was a very imaginative kid. Okay, I thought you that. said they were gonna have a good life in the sewers. <laughs> I did, I did, I did, I did. I thought they were gonna have a good life in the sewers, darling. <laughs> um, now, um. Oh my gosh. All right, I closed my notes. But do we have any final remarks here about Clue? I meant for this to be a, a much more less of me giggling and much more educational. But you know what? I It's a silly I movie. I, it's so silly. It's so silly. I I will have to say that I was very wrong about this movie. It was funny. It was interesting. It was well written. Mm-hmm. The multiple endings is fantastic. All the characters, even the ones that don't speak as much, are like flushed out and the funniest versions of themselves. Um, the setting is great in the mansion. Mm-hmm. The rain, the the people coming to the door. It just, it, it's fun. It's just a fun movie. Yeah, I am probably going to watch it again tonight. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. But that's only because it's actually going to be the center focus of my, not my next, but the, I don't know, one of my newsletters for the month. And so I need to do thorough research. So that's why I'm rewatching it again. Yes, yes. Um, not just because you want to see it. <laughs> right, you got to give yourself a reason. Listen, it's so good. And <laughs> I feel so horrible that I have, like, giggled like a schoolgirl this whole episode but it is I wish you you dear listeners could have heard him during the movie <laughs> like I love a good laugh but I was like and sometimes sometimes I cause the jokes are so quick in this a couple times I do think I just missed the joke and he would just be like ah! 
And I'd be like, what, what happened? I, mean, I could never see this in a theater, in a cinema. I literally, I would that. get kicked out. I would literally get kicked out if I saw this in the cinema. I would literally be screaming and laughing, <laughs> especially with everyone else pitching in with the laughter. But it adds I, to the, the I would, vibes. I, I, I could not see this in, like, uh, in the art house theater. I would. <laughs> Be kicked out for sure, <laughs> or either be probably the favorite person in the in the. They'd be like, "This guy, this awesome. guy gets it, this guy here. Gets, I'm dressed as Mrs. White. Ooh, Ooh. You can do that. Or yeah. should I do Mrs. Peacock? Um, you know, if you did anything, it'd probably freak everybody out. I think they'd be like, they'd be like "This guy's, this guy's dressed like one of the characters." But I laughing. come in, I come in like as Mrs. White though. But like, I don't speak to anybody. Like, I just like go straight into the theater. Right. Like, I mean, show them my ticket and everything. Right. And I go straight into the theater dressed as. Mrs. White with the pale makeup and everything on, and like I'm serious as hell. And I, <laughs> but then you start cackling. I think it'd be a very interesting experience to be being in that theater with you. And I'm in the front row, so everyone can clearly see. Like I have on like a bob, I have a bob, yeah. <laughs> like, like that. The whole outfit, just... and like I get up and I leave. Blank face. <laughs> yeah. No. The only time you show any emotion is when you laugh at the theater. I'm like throwing popcorn at screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. You just end up just chucking the whole thing. All right, God. All right, oh. now we're just hypothesizing. Yes. Um, well, thank you. Thank you so much for... Um, Tuning back <gasps> in. Now that we're back, we're back. We're better than ever. What a triumphant return. Yes. What other movie could we have come back with? There's just, so many movies. We're going to come back now. I'm just kidding. Great movie. Great movie. It was <laughs> supposed to be Rosemary's Baby. I'm so happy it was not. I know. Um, this was a nice a nice change. Yes. Uh, and we hope that you enjoyed it. We hope that you continue to enjoy. I promise episodes after this, I may not be as giggly. I have had some coffee and uh, <laughs> A little, I was a little wired, but catch us back next week for I believe our episode is a perfect murder, a perfect murder from 1998. Uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs>